0: Isaiah 27 and Colossians 2. Glory be to God. Father, we honor you today. We give you glory for the good word of God that you're about to plant in our hearts. And Lord, we make a commitment to you to prepare our hearts for the seed that is about to be sown. Lord, we give honor to you and give honor to your word. You've exalted your word above your name. And Lord, we realize our responsibility today not just to hear but to be doers of the word. so we thank you, Lord, for for the privilege that we have to hear, and the equipment that, that we'll be equipped with today, so we can go and do it and see the wonderful fruit abound in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at Isaiah twenty-seven first. Um uh, take a look at verse six. It says this those who come, he shall cause to Take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Several things I want to notice there. Take root, blossom and bud, and fruit. Take root, blossom and bud, and bear fruit. Now look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2 verse 6 and 7 says this as you have therefore as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So you see, the receiving Christ Jesus the Lord, which in essence is the receiving of the seed. You see that in verse 7 the idea of being rooted and then built up, which means that seed that got planted and got rooted is now getting built up or shall we say growing up. And then you ultimately see abounding in it with thanksgiving. You see that the seed that got planted and then got rooted and grew up started abounding, started producing fruit. And I want to talk to you today Um Pro- probably th- this this would be considered an overview uh, of this particular thought. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about the the process of the seed. Somebody say the process of the seed. The seed gets planted, the seed takes root, the seed grows up and produces fruit. It rhymes. Y'all can get your rhyme on today. Are you ready? So go with me now. The seed gets planted. The seed takes root. The seed grows up and produces fruit. One more time. The seed gets planted. The seed takes root. The seed grows up and produces fruit. All right. Now, uh we we see that in these few uh verses that we've read so far over in isaiah we we see that uh uh the the seed took root and then it began to blossom and bud the growth process and then ultimately filled the face of the world with fruit over in Colossians it says that that as we've received Christ Jesus the Lord, which is receiving the the seed into us then it says we are rooted and built up in him. So you see the root, you see the growth, and then ultimately abounding the fruit. Hallelujah, glory to God. But I got to let you know something, that this is a process that works both positively and negatively. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah spoke of, the uh the wicked who were prospering in his day in jeremiah twelve two he said that they were planted they took root they grow and they bore fruit you see that theme uh in, in several places throughout the scripture jeremiah twelve two that, that that is a uh an example of that happening in the negative with bad seed instead of with good seed of course uh Over in 1 Timothy 6.10, we we, uh, have heard the verse very often that the love of money is the root of all evil. And just for the record, and and because people don't say things right, you always got to say this. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because if it was money, then the Lord couldn't have any. But uh, he owns everything, so there'd be a problem with that. There's nobody richer than him. (laughs) He owns it all. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And so we see that the love of money is the seed. It's the root of all evil, the New King James says, of all kinds of evil. And it goes on to say that which some have strayed from the faith. So you see that that seed was planted, it took root, and it started growing up. But it was growing in a negative direction because rather than going towards faith, they were straying from faith. And what was the ultimate fruit? The ultimate fruit is that these people pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Seed was planted, seed took root, seed grew up, and seed produced fruit. But in this case... The fruit was piercing themselves through with many sorrows. You don't want that? As a matter of fact, why don't you go quickly to Hebrews 12. And uh, we'll look at one more example of this. Let me hear you again. The seed gets planted. The seed seed takes root. The seed seed grows up. up. and And produces fruit. Hebrews 12. Let's take a look at this, verse uh, 14. we we'll start there. It says, uh, Pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this, Many become defiled. Got to look out when the wrong kind of seed is planted. Because in this case, the wrong kind of seed was planted and the result was a root of bitterness. And that root of bitterness sprung up. It grew up. And then what ultimately happened is that the scripture says here it caused trouble. And that by this, many people were defiled. Bad fruit. And let me tell the church this morning that God is not only interested in you getting the right seed planted in you, resulting in good fruit, but God is also interested in removing the root of bad seed that has been sown in you that has resulted in bad fruit. Let me say it again. Oh, Lord, come on. God is not only interested in you getting the right seed planted in you, resulting in good fruit. But God is also interested in removing the root of the bad seed that has been sown in you that has resulted in bad fruit. Why don't you go to Matthew real quick? Go to Matthew 15. And we're just going to talk about this for a few minutes. You know, and, and, and uh, when you come into the kingdom of God, you know, there, there's so much potential in the seed of the word. What the, the seed of the word can do for you, there's so much potential there. There is endless potential. But the enemy to the seed of the word is all the other stuff that is grown in your garden. That is not the word. And so that's why God is uh, not just a a planter. God knows how to be an uprooter. And we need both sides of that character of God. We we need the side that will plant the right stuff inside of us. But we need the sight of God that will pluck up and uproot stuff that don't belong there. Hey, hey, hey. Matthew 15, are you there? Yeah. Listen to the words of Jesus in verse 13. He, he, he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Now the question is, do, do you go into this process voluntarily? Or, uh, or or do you end up having your back against the wall, shall we say? Do, do you know that everybody's eventually going to call Jesus Lord? It's better, far better, believe me, to do it voluntarily. Because there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess That Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there's going to be certain knees bowing on that day that are bowing because they have to. They have no choice in the matter. They got to bow and acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. Don't wait till that day to bow. Because if you wait till that day, it's too late to do something about your eternal destiny. Someone say, bow now. <laughs> the dog says bow wow, but you say bow now. Hey, <laughs> hallelujah. While you're in Matthew, Oh, we're going to have fun today. Go to Matthew 3. We're in Matthew 15. Go to Matthew 3. Praise the Lord. And we're going to keep this going here. And, and remember, the thought we're on right now is this that God is not only interested in getting the right seed planted in you, resulting in good fruit, <coughs> but that God is also interested in removing the root of bad seed that has been sown in you that has resulted in bad fruit. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 10 and 11. These are the words of John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He says, Verse 10, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you With the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, John starts this statement by saying that the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Which means you got to deal with the root of something to keep that same old fruit from coming back. And he said that every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now don't be afraid of fire. Just get your fire now, not later. Don't be afraid of the fire. Just get the fire now. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit with fire, do you know what the fire does? It gets to burn up the stuff that is not producing good fruit, which means after the fire is done with you, There's nothing left but that which is going to produce good fruit. And all that bad stuff, that bad fruit that's connected to a bad root that was connected to a bad seed that was sown in you, gets burned up. You know, the scripture talks about judgment day. That only the things that can stand the test of fire will remain. Wood, hay and stubble gets burned up. But gold, silver, and precious stones, that can stand the test of fire. So what you want, anything in your life that can be burned, let it burn now. And let it burn quickly. Say, burn, baby, burn. Lord, I don't need this stuff in my life anymore. Give me some Holy Ghost and fire. And then you will live a fruitful life. But fruitful with the right kind of fruit. Because all the old fruit from the old root connected to that old seed that was planted in you, out the window. And nothing but what God's planting in your garden growing up and producing good fruit in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now think about this. Let me read this to you. Think about that God would actually call a prophet. And say, this is your ministry. Listen to this. This is what God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah 1 verse 10. Just listen to this. He said, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, the the interesting thing is that God actually sent his prophet for this very purpose. And if you notice uh, in what I said, there were more words in the verse describing the undoing of bad seeds than those that described the need to build and plant good seeds. Sometimes there's a little work to be done in the garden. Sometimes there's a, a little extra effort because thoughts and words and actions, patterns of thinking, words spoken to you way back in life. And they could have just been seeds that didn't go anywhere. But somebody else told you the same thing. See, see, you, you were once told you were stupid. Then somebody else told you you were. Then you started to, to think that, well, these people told me I am, so I must be. And so what happened, the seed that got planted with, with your own thoughts started getting watered. So so words, thoughts, and actions. You you see that words, thoughts, and actions can be the seed and can be the thing that waters the seed too. And so what happens is you get this something that's built up in your life. That's traced back to what Joe Schmo, Uncle Harry, Aunt Susie, cousin, what's his name? (laughs) And yeah, we're going there. Don't forget LaQuisha. (laughs) But what all these people said to you and said about you and and what it did, it, it was a seed that was planted. And, and, and it could have stopped right there, but you allowed another word and another thought and another action, whether it was someone else's or your own action, to actually keep it going. So that seed took root and it started to grow and it started to produce fruit. And this is all based on something that has absolutely nothing to do with the truth Amen. of God about you. It's all based on a lie, and yet it still is producing fruit. So you see, uh, there are things for, from our past. Now understand this: when you become born again, you're a new creature in Christ, and old all, all things are passed away, and all things have become new. But but you see, we need to just exercise enough wisdom to do, discern between the soul and the spirit, as Hebrews four twelve tells us. Your spirit, man, is brand new, brand spanking new. Old things passed away. All things become new. No more sin nature in you. You've got the life and nature of God. But your soul still needs to be worked on. As a matter of fact, go to James 1 for a minute. Glory to God. James chapter 1. Verse 21 of James 1 says this. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Hallelujah. Now, who's he talking to? Well, go back a few verses. Look at verse 19. Read it to me. What's the very first few words in verse 19? Go. My beloved brethren. Well, who's he talking to then? He's talking to the brethren and the sisters. Telling them they need to get their soul saved. The idea that here we are, if you're brethren, and like I said, sisters too, well, you you must be saved. So here, saved people being told they got to get their soul saved. Well, the saving of the soul can really can can be. Uh, uh, synonymous with the renewing of the mind. Oh, I know somebody who teaches real good on that. You know who I'm talking about here. Sit right over there. Amen. So this process of renewing the mind is very important because the renewing of the mind according to God's word is the, the, the main way. I know you'd like to just get in a prayer line and have it all cast out of you. Quick fix. Give it to me. Come out. <laughs> <laughs> we all want the quick fix. But, but the, the uprooting of the old things and cl- clearing the ground out so that there's plenty of great fallow ground for good seed to be planted in. That happens through the process of renewing the mind. Are you ready to do that? You know, Paul, over in Second Corinthians 10, <coughs> talked about the warfare of the believer, said that, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So so the biggest part of your warfare is pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations. What you're doing is you're dealing with bad fruit. That grew up from a bad root that is traced back to a bad seed that got planted in your garden. And you got to pull those things down. And you got to take the word and allow the word to be the standard where everything in my life goes through the filter of the word. I see, I see the world through word glasses. I see life through a word filter. My worldview is a word worldview. Everything I see through the word. And then as you do that, you notice things that are not in line with it. And you realize this, Lord, you and I together, we're tearing this down. Because it does not line up with the, the filter. It does not line up with the standard. I can't allow that to stay in my garden anymore. We're tearing that down. Plucking it up by the roots. We're not just talking about mowing the lawn, people. You can mow your lawn, and that same old stuff will come back again. It's kind of like putting perfume on a pig, somebody. (laughs) Hey. Yeah, you can come to church looking all cute and stuff, looking like you all got it together. And everybody can think you something. But the Lord knows, and you who look yourself in the mirror know, there's still some stuff in the garden that's got to go. So let's go ahead and work on the garden. Who's the garden? You are. The scripture says that. That we are God's garden. And you've got responsibility over what you allow. Now now here's the thing. There's times past where, where, where stuff has snuck in on all of us. But when you realize something's there that does not belong there. When you realize something's there that does not line up. Are are, are we just going to go ahead and go along and say, "Well, that's just me," or blame it on your Irish or your Portuguese or your Puerto Rican? Or you know, uh, uh, you you can't do that. You got to call a spade a spade, even when it's your spade. You you got to just be honest with yourself. Call right, right and wrong, wrong. Say, if there's something wrong in my life, it's got to go. It's got to be worked on. Lord, let's do it. Let's pluck it up by the roots because we don't want any more fruit. So you get to the root. You eliminate the root, you eliminate the fruit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, we know that Jesus said by one of his parables that if you get this one, you can get any of them. What parable was that? That was the parable of the sower. So why don't you go to Matthew 13. You know we can't talk about this subject. The process of the seed. Without taking a trip over to the parable of the sower. Hallelujah. Is there anybody excited about getting some, some, some of those old, nasty, bad fruit trees out of your garden? Amen. Let me tell you something. And this, this was for me initially, but I knew it was for everybody. But it was one week ago Tuesday, so that would be, let's see, about 12 days ago. Right in this very building. God got a hold of me just before Tuesday night prayer and said these words to me. You say, did you have a vision or hear a voice? No, I just heard it right in here and woke me up. Listen to this. The Lord laid this on my heart, that there is grace from him for us to make the changes that we've been procrastinating to make. And you know that spoke to me, because I immediately thought about the things I was procrastinating on. <laughs> but I was encouraged, because the, the, it was the Lord's way of saying, there is grace to make changes, even on the stuff that's been hanging around for a while. <laughs> and e- even on the stuff that you can almost have a tendency to just say, well, that's just a part of my lot locked life. But if there's changes that you need to make, no more procrastinating. Uh, Because when that hit me, I knew it was for me, but I knew it was for everybody. That there is grace from God to make the changes that you need to make, even on the stuff you've been procrastinating and dragging your feet on for a long time. There's grace to make changes. There's grace to make changes. Which means if there's grace to make changes, then all the list of excuses that we've had about why we're not making those changes is out the window. Because grace is not something that's subtracted from you. What I read in the Bible is that grace and peace is multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if grace is yours, and it's multiplied to you, and that's what you need to make changes, then there's no excuse for us not to make the changes we know we need to make. And I'm preaching to this man just like I'm preaching to you. But it's true. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Where were we? Matthew 13. Amen. Let's take a look at this. Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. This is Jesus told the story first. But what we're going to read here is his explanation of the story. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Interesting thing, I looked that word understands up in the Strong's Concordance, and one of the definitions that it gives was actually to put together, which I like because putting it together, understanding it, that gives me the uh, 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 the idea of connecting the dots. Connecting the dots, understanding it, putting it together. And that person will bear fruit and produce some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So it's interesting because there's one sense in which all three of the gospel writers who wrote this parable actually may bring out just a little something different in, the, in that last kind of ground. Matthew 13 and verse 23, he talks about he who hears the word and understands it, or shall we say, puts it together, connects the dots. Mark 4:20, in Mark's rendering of it, he said, these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Luke, in his rendering of it, chapter 8, verse uh, um Fifteen, He said, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So so we, we see this, that these good ground people, which were the ones that produced fruit, they understood the word, they put it together, they accepted the word, And they heard the word with a noble and a good heart and they kept it. Now listen to this statement. There was nothing wrong with the seed in any situation because what did the sower sow? Mark said the sower sowed the word. Nothing wrong with the word. So there's nothing wrong with the seed. And yet even with the Perfect seed of the word of God. Perfection. Someone say perfection. Perfection. But you got varying results from a perfect seed. How on earth could that be? Because it did not have to do with the seed alone. It needed some cooperation for the seed to do what it was intended to do. That cooperation is on the part of the ground that the seed is sown upon. So there was nothing wrong with the seed because there's nothing wrong with the word. But the various kinds of ground had the same seed scattered all over it. And that same seed produces different results in different people's hearts and lives. That's not a reflection on the seed. It's a reflection on the kind of ground that the seed was sown upon. Now it's interesting, and Pastor John has ministered to us a, a lot of, uh, over the years about uh, he that has an ear, let him hear. Which is actually what, what Jesus followed up this parable with. But an interesting thing that, that Jesus said, uh, Mark, Mark uh, covers it from one angle, Luke covers it from another angle. Mark in Mark 4, 24 said, take heed what you hear. And Luke in verse 8, 18 said, take heed how you hear. Interesting. The what and the how. The what is this. Take heed to what kind of seed you allow to be planted in your heart. And what about the how? You got to take heed to the condition of the ground that the seed's being planted on. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Do both. You need to take heed to what kind of seed you're allowing to be planted in you. And then you also need to take heed to the condition of the ground that the seed is being planted on. Working on the ground. Working on the ground. Because as goes the ground, so goes the seed that's planted in the ground. And if the ground is not right and ready and receptive for seed, then you can potentially plant the perfect seed in the ground and not have anything to show for it. And we've not worked enough on the ground. We've not paid enough attention in that area. We've been quick to think, yeah, let's sow the seed into the ground. And not paid enough attention to where the seed's going. And, and, and uh, you know, I, the, the, write this down. Jeremiah 4, verse 3. Uh, that, that's where the prophet said... Uh, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. The idea of breaking up your fallow ground is is, is preparing the ground, clearing out the junk, and preparing it for seed to be sown so that you can have maximum results for your seed. The Living Bible. Of Jeremiah 4 3 says this Plow up the hardness of your hearts, otherwise good seed will be wasted among thorns. Oh, I like that. Plow up the hardness of your hearts, otherwise good seed will be wasted among thorns. Now, we talked about this the seed gets planted, and words, thoughts, and actions are means. Of the seed being planted, but then the seed takes root. Now, why don't you go to Luke six? This is something I want you to see. Now, now, just like you see, uh, the the wisdom of God is likening something to uh, a, a natural something that we can get and we can understand. And that that, that was the 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 beauty of the parables that Jesus spoke. And so one way that Jesus wanted to communicate that is talking about the the seed, the need to be rooted and grow and produce fruit. But another way he communicated that is right here in Luke 6, about the importance of your building having a firm foundation and what to do to make sure that your building has a firm foundation. So it's really, it's really the same thing because The the building having a firm foundation is the building being rooted. So it's just the the construction version of what happens in the garden. Can I hear an amen? amen? Luke 6. Listen to the words of Jesus. Let's start in verse 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Oh, Lordy, come on. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Someone say dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, The stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. So what did this person do who could withstand the storms of life when they came his way? He came to Jesus, he heard the sayings of Jesus, and he did the sayings of Jesus, and he dug deep. By so doing those things, coming to Jesus, hearing Jesus, and doing what Jesus said to do, he dug deep. There wasn't anything shallow about what he was doing. By so doing, he was laying a deep foundation. Likening it to the garden, he had deep roots. Now look at the other guy. Verse 49, listen to this. But he who heard and did nothing. Oh, my goodness. We've all been there. Oh, we've all been there. And oh, we've all repented. And if not, you need to today. For hearing and not doing anything. Listen to this. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Both heard. The same seed got planted. Why such drastically different results? One heard and did. One heard and did nada. And because of that, all the difference in the world between the the end result, the fruit, the finished product that one person got and the other person got, from hearing the same thing. You got to get that. The same seed. They heard the same word. The same seed got planted. They heard the same word. Why? Why? How could it be possible to hear the same thing and get drastically different results? It has to do with the ground. It has to do with the ground. It has to do with the receptivity of the ground to receive the word, accept the word, and put that word into practice. To not just be a hearer only, like James said, but to be a doer of the word. Now, now, let me quote that to you. James 1.22. Says, be a hearer of the word and not a, uh, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. Where is the self deception? The, del- the self deception is there for you to think that just hearing is good enough. So I got a big library of CDs. And I listen to a lot of good preachers, and that's wonderful, but it's not enough. Because the only benefit you get is what you do. The only benefit, only, O-N-L-Y, only benefit you get is from what you do with what you hear. Otherwise, you'll be like the people, and I know, Pastor, you've ma- made reference to this several times over in Ezekiel. The, the people that, that heard, heard the word and th- thought it was like going to a concert, hearing a nice production, hearing something that was just fine for the ears. I, I just love the inflections of the preacher's voice. I just love when the preacher preaches like this. Or oh, I love when the preacher gets excited and, and, and when the organ has to help the preacher out to help a preacher. <laughs> You know, and you're getting so excited about the way it's tickling your ears and the way it sounds so good to you. And you get more excited about the delivery than even the content. And part of that is because a lot of times we've not really had a whole lot of intention to do a whole lot with the content. But if you don't do anything with the content, it doesn't do you any good. Same seed, same word heard by both guys. One had fruit, one had a great building that could survive any storm, and the other, he crashed and burned. Let that seed take deep root. Someone say, dig deep. Dig deep. deep. How do you dig deep? By being a hearer and a doer of the sayings of Jesus. The seed grows up. It's interesting. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.6, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. That The idea of watering is interesting. Because watering is really reinforcing what's already been planted. See, something's been planted, but, but the watering is the care for what's been planted. As far as you hearing, when you first initially hear something, it's planted. But when you hear it and hear it and hear it after, that's what's being planted, being watered. Like I said before, that can work both negatively and positively. And what we need to do as we're renewing our minds according to the word of God and looking to clear out the garden of any stuff that doesn't need to be there anymore. We need to stop watering the seeds of harmful words that have been spoken to us and harmful deeds that have been committed against us. Because by watering it and watering it, we keep on giving it a life. And some of these things we've been watering, you know what you need to do? You just need to let it starve. And if it hollers to you and says, feed me, pay me some attention. You say, no. I'm purposely not feeding you because I want you to die and wither up from the roots. So the memory of what somebody said, the memory of what somebody did. And I'm not saying that those memories aren't very real. Because I know they are. But can you make a decision? That even though bad seeds were planted in my garden, and even somebody who planted something in my garden that, that, that was against my will, but it still got planted there anyhow. But I don't have to water that anymore. I don't have to allow that to be a plant in my garden anymore. Why? Because there is one person, there is one person on planet earth who has say so and control over what you allow to stay in your garden or what you do not allow to remain in your garden. And that person is you. You have control over what kind of ground you are. You know, you can't read the parable of the sword and say, oh, well, I guess I'm thorny ground. I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm just thorny ground. I'll tell you what to do if you're thorny ground. Get the thorns out. Don't you know that you have control, that God has given you uh, control over your garden, that you can be whatever kind of ground you want to be. You are not destined to be thorny or destined to be stony. No, you can get the stones out, get the thorns out, be good ground, and get 30, 60, 100 fold. Come on. Hey. Hallelujah. So the seed gets planted, the seed takes root, the seed grows up and produces fruit. Listen to this, 2 Kings 19, verse 30. It says, the, the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. I just love that wording. Take root downward, bear fruit upward. Deep roots and a whole lot of fruit. Deep roots and a whole lot of fruit. Bearing fruit to God and bearing fruit that other people around you can come and eat of the fruit off your tree. Some love and peace and some long suffering. Because you got the fruit of the Spirit growing on your tree. Hallelujah. Proverbs 12.12 12 says this. That the wicked covet the catch of evil men. But the root of the righteous yields fruit. Hallelujah. Now, two more places I want you to turn real quick, and we're we're going to bring this to a stop. Put one finger in John 15, another finger in Jeremiah 17. John 15, Jeremiah 17, in that order. Glory to God. And we're going to bring this baby home. Hallelujah. John 15, verse 7 and 8 says this. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You want to glorify God? Bear much fruit. How can you bear much fruit? It's real simple. Abide in him and have his word abiding in you. C- continually hearing, doing, hearing, doing, hearing, doing, hearing, doing. Meditating on it, thinking on it, hearing, doing, hearing, doing, hearing, doing. Hearing, doing. His word abiding in you. And what, what happens, you have some fruit in your prayer life. So uh, the, the, there's been some for too long look at the prayer life and say well I can just go ahead and think of all the things I didn't get that I wanted to get and become discouraged about their prayer life when what Jesus said our prayer lives are supposed to be like is not prayer failures but prayer successes bearing much fruit because we're abiding in him and his word is abiding in us. And the result is good fruit, bearing much fruit, and the Father is glorified by that. Now, before we read Jeremiah, how many of you remember Psalm 1? How many of you know what Psalm 1 says? Well, let me tell you, if you don't know, you're going to know. It says, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord." And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who brings forth fruit in his season, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Now I say that because that's setting up what we're about to read now Jeremiah 17. Verse 7, Jeremiah 17. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Now, listen to me. I want to be one. Don't you want to be one that's spread your roots out by the river? Because you know what's the the advantage of the tree by the river? You're, You're real close to a whole lot of nourishment. And I'll tell you what, I want to have my roots plugged into some living water, have a continual flow of living water coming inside of me. As a matter of fact, don't, don't you know what the scripture says in Ephesians 5:18 to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that, that it, a, a, a more accurate rendering is to say be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Or someone even said be being filled, just keep it going, keep it going with the Holy Spirit. So here we are being planted by the rivers of living water, having our roots stretching out to that wonderful source of water that we've got. And then listen to this. will not fear when heat comes. Not going to be afraid. This tree's not going to be afraid that the heat's going to come and I'm going to dry up and turn brown. You know why? The scripture says right here will not fear when heat comes because its leaf will be green. Its leaf will be green. Now listen to this. And will not be anxious in the year of drought. Now we've experienced some drought. I'm not talking about yesterday. Well, I was coming back from the airport in that mess yesterday. Woo! Cats, dogs, and a few other animals falling out the sky. But we've experienced drought, economic drought, job drought. You know the times we're living in. But this person, trusting in the Lord, having their roots hooked up in the right place. They're not anxious in the year of drought, and they do not cease from yielding fruit. Glory be to God. So what you're going to do? This is a test. The seed gets planted, the seed takes root. The seed grows up and produces fruit. The seed gets planted, the seed takes root. The seed grows up and produces fruit. If you don't like the kind of ground you are, fix your ground. If you don't like the plants you got in your garden, you and the Lord together. <laughs> Time for some uprooting to go on. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen today? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Let's pray today. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you and give you glory. We thank you, Lord, for the good word of God that you've planted on our hearts. And I pray today that anybody here in this building under the sound of my voice who needs to make Jesus their Lord today, that they're going to make that decision. And it's going to be the, 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 the start of a most wonderful life for them. Plucking up what doesn't belong and planting only what does belong in the garden of their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.